Welcome to Parse, the official podcast of the Elahe Omidyar, Mir Jalali Institute of Iranian Studies at the University of Toronto. In Persian, Parse means strolling or wandering around as an observer of contemporary life and modernity. In a similar spirit, our podcast Parse aims to take our listeners on an intellectual stroll in the field of Iranian studies, where they can listen to different ideas from leading thinkers, academics, activists, and authors in the discipline. Our podcast will provide thought-provoking excerpts from lectures and seminars organized by the Iranian Studies Institute at UFD to make the extensive work we do with our partners more accessible to academics and non-academics alike across Canada and beyond. The second episode of Parse is an excerpt of Afsane Najmabadi's launch of her new book, Familial Undercurrents, Untold Stories of Love and Marriage in Modern Iran. In Familial Undercurrents, Najmabadi uncovers her family's complex experiences of polygamous marriage to tell a larger story of the transformations of notions of love, marriage, and family life in mid-20th century Iran. She reveals how during merely one generation, men's polygamy in Iran evolved from something acceptable to taboo. This book is inspired by a personal story. In early March 1987, I received a phone call from Tehran. On the other side of a bad connection, a man claimed he was my brother-in-law, married to my sister, Mina. I have never before known of a sister named Mina. This was a short few months after my father's death in October 1986 in Cambridge, Massachusetts. Rather shocked, I asked him to send me a meager operating document. This continued the conversation and conveniently tucked it away to forgetfulness. I disbelieved the claim, and for a combination of reasons, including my mother's distress and refusal to meet with them on their visits to Iran, I did not connect with Mina until 20 years later. In 2005, I began to visit Iran regularly. I met Mina for the first time in 2007. Slowly and hesitantly, I established a relationship with her. But then I became gripped with a detective fever, with an obsession to know about my father's other family, the family he had kept a secret from us. Over the following years, I, I interviewed numerous people on Mina's mother's side of the family, my father's side of the family, and my mother's as well. A much more complicated and fascinating family story emerged from this conversation as I learned the story of this other family. The second family turned out to include the first love and many unexpected turns and twists. Over the many years that I followed these conversations, the stories often change from one, one telling to another. At the end, a relatively coherent story, for the most part, took shape. Mina's mother, Mansure, had had a roughly sixth grade formal education. In subsequent years, in the mid-1930s, he had been tutored in literary and religious texts by my father's father. Apparently, he had tutored several members of Mansur's family and socialized with them. 
all the way to the end of his life in 1958. Mazur was possibly also tutored in math by my father, Apos. This is how they met. My father fell in love with her and asked for her hand in marriage. Apparently, Mansure was also fond of my father. Her mother, however, opposed her marriage. She had already promised her daughter to her brother's son, who was also very much in love with Mansure. Mansure and her cousin were contractually married on 26th of May, 1936. However, their marriage was not consummated for another six years in October, 1932 at which point Mansoura renegotiated her back, increasing it from 8,000 to 60,000 reals. Six years was a rather long period between signing the marriage contract and its consummation. That too was unusual. A time lapse between the formal marriage contract and the wedding was not unusual, but it usually lasted between a few months or at most a couple of years. Sometimes the bride was considered not physically mature enough for consummation of marriage, or sometimes the groom needed the time to prepare properly for his wife-to-be. But six, or six years was highly unusual. For a couple of years, Mansour's husband had been away on military service. But then how to explain the other four years? Was Mansour resisting the wedding, hoping her cousin would release her from the marriage contract? In the meantime, in September 1941, my father Abbas had met my mother, Fahri, fallen in love with her, and married her in January 1942. Was that why Mansure eventually resigned herself to the marriage with her cousin in October 1942? Fahri and Mansure had two daughters in exactly the same years, 1944 and 1946. Throughout the 1940s, both Abbas and his father had continued to visit Mansoury. She was apparently unhappy with her marriage. Her husband was a member of the Tudor party. He couldn't hold a steady job and would be fired frequently for his labor organizing. In 1947, she asked for her full math to be paid, presumably hoping to bargain it back in exchange for a divorce. Her husband turned over all his properties to her but refused to divorce her for another five years. By all family accounts, this was because he had been so in love with her that he wouldn't give up hope for a possible reconciliation. In the meantime, Abbas had purchased a piece of land in September 1948, close to where Mansure had been living, built a house on it, and turned the house to Mansure for in the spring of 1949. This enabled her to move out of her marital home and live with her children in the new house, which she shared with her mother and for a few years with her grandmother as well. Masuri remained on friendly terms with her cousin, even after the divorce and her marriage to Akos. Her now ex-husband visited the girls frequently. Once Mina was born, he was very kind and fatherly to her as well. Mina recalled fondly some of the gifts that he had brought her, including a first camera. In effect, not only had my father kept two families through the legal possibility of bigamy, but Mansure too had two men in her life 
from the mid-1930s to the time of her cousin's death in 1980. One was her husband, the other a family friend. By the early 1950s, they switched position. The cousin ex-husband continued to visit the family as a friend. Masure had managed to keep the two men openly as family. My father chose to hide one family from the other. This at first seemed quite counterintuitive that the woman seemed to have had more leeway than the man. During these years of playing family detective, I also started talking about my family, my family story to anyone willing to listen. In almost every instance, the response was something like, oh yes, so-and-so in my family acted similarly. Only after his death, we learned he had another wife. The repetition of the pattern made it clear that my father's secret family was not simply a quirky exception. It seems that over a short generation, what had been an acceptable open practice, men's polygyny, had become for at least a layer of urban educated middle-class Iranian men, something socially frowned upon. It was something to keep secret, even though it was not illegal. After all, my mother had grown up in a bigamous household, while my father's father had married only once. Numerous men in the larger Najmogadi clan of his father's generation had more than one wife. Beyond my personal family story, I thus became preoccupied with understanding this larger pattern of change in familial practices. This book aims at a historical contextualization of the changes in ideas of what constituted the family, how these changes came about, and how practices of family life adapted or Thank you for listening to this episode of Parse. Your support is invaluable to us. To like, share, or listen to our latest episodes, please head to our pages on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever else you listen to your podcasts. To watch the complete seminars, please head to the Elaheo Midyar Mirjalali Institute for Iranian Studies website and YouTube page, which are linked in the description.